0: Tonight, I want to talk to you guys about necessary evangelism. Turn to your neighbor and say, "Necessary evangelism." That's right, necessary evangelism. Because what we want we want you to understand. We want to help you understand, right? is that we see in the New Testament where they talk a lot about spiritual gifts and how many of us have spiritual gifts and how the Holy Spirit has given us spiritual gifts. For those of us that are saved, he's given you gifts to, of hospitality. He's given you gifts of, of discernment or he's given you gifts of even going down to our gifts for how you serve on the dream team. So maybe you love kids while the rest of us don't. You know what I mean? Like what, Like whatever it is, you have a gift but then there's a gift that Paul doesn't ask if you have it. He tells you to use it whether you feel like you have it or not. And that is the gift of evangelism. He said, go and preach the gospel. Go and take the gospel. And, uh, and so tonight, we just want to talk a little bit. We want to look at 2 Timothy. Uh, and look at kind of one of the scriptures that I think is relevant to where we're at, right? So 2 Timothy 3, one through seven, keep up with us, says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits Uh, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he uh, competes according to the rules. And it is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So how many of you guys read the Bible, and a lot of times when you read it, when you get done, you just go, huh? Okay, no one, good, so we're gonna... We're gonna break open Grudem's systematic theology right now. Oh, okay, we're, like, we're being honest. There's a lot of times we read it and we, we have to read between the lines to try to digest what the Lord is saying or what the author is saying. But there's three specific parts to the scripture that we wanna break open tonight. And that's the soldier, that's the athlete, and that's the farmer, all right? And so let's check it out real quick. And, well, and what do all three of those have in common? Let's like Q&A real quick. What do all three of those have in common? It's not rhetorical. Anyone? No. Close. Yes. That's the start of it. Discipline. Discipline. Right. All three maintain discipline. So, what do they have in common? Discipline, girash, from the Greek word methides, which is, uh, which shares the same root word as disciple. Right. And so, what we what. Paul is trying to bring to us. And what we're reading in 2 Timothy is that what what we're introducing is this idea of three different ways that we understand what our mission, what our objective is, and how we translate that to each one of what they're doing. So there's the soldier, right? Let's go back to 2 Timothy 3, 3, 3, 4. Share in suffering. Turn to your neighbor and say suffering. That right there in and of itself completely breaks down this prosperity gospel where as soon as you get saved, everything gets better right? Don't get me wrong. There is nothing that I would trade from a material standpoint uh, for my relationship with the Lord. But how many guys know, how many guys have been saved long enough to find out that, I'm not telling you everything's doom and gloom, but how many guys know sometimes it gets a little rough out here, right? Like sometimes everything isn't going our way. So what we have to understand, he says we're gonna experience suffering. So he's saying share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits. And since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him, what are we saying right here in 2 Timothy? How many of us become so consumed with the things of this world that we do not pursue the things of God? I was talking to Ashley, she came over, me and and my wife Ashley were there, Ashley was there, we were all talking, and we were talking about how we have turned life, we have made idols out of our own lives. Like, our own life has become idolatry in and of itself. Like, we want the best of things, we want the greatest things, and I'm not against things, but I'm against things owning us to the point that we forget the mission that the Lord put us on so that we can start pursuing things that aren't of God. And I I had put a post up on Facebook a little back and I caught a whole bunch of crap for it, so I posted it again. And and so what I said was, um, I said, we gotta be careful. We have to be aware of what we do when we get the things that we pray for because every, every answered prayer isn't God. The devil has toys too. And it's like, so just because you prayed for something really, really hard and a door opened up for that, you still have to pray whether or not it's the right thing. So don't just pray that a door would open up for you to be able to do something. Now you have to pray that you would have enough wisdom to say the right answer when the door opens up. And a lot of us have taken jobs we never should have taken, we're, ta- we're buying things we never should have bought, all because we're, we're, the, the prayer got answered. That's the thing I really wanted, until you find out three months later it's not the thing you really wanted. And so we have to be aware and understand that the Lord has a mission for us. We don't get entangled in civilian pursuits. So what is the most vital thing for a soldier to understand when he enters into battle? Well. One of the most important things you can ever grab hold of as a soldier, I didn't serve in the military, but I talked to quite a few that did, and understanding your mission is critical. Understanding your mission is critical because you have to know when it's, when it's accomplished, right? And what we do in our relationship with the Lord and what we do when, uh, on the mission that Christ continues to put us in is we never quite understand the mission, we're just out here trying to survive in the jungle. Like we're trying to survive the suffering, we're trying to survive the hardships, but we never actually engage the mission that God has for us. And if you don't wake up every day with a purpose, if you don't wake up every day knowing exactly what the Lord wants to do with you today, you may not know every person you're gonna come in contact with, but you know he's gonna make a difference with you today to impact someone else's life. If you don't wake up with that mission, then you're waking up not accomplishing the thing that the Lord set you out to do. I know it's quiet in here, it's Wednesday night. Did we serve coffee tonight? Gina, yes we did. Y'all better get on it then. She did her job, y'all better step it up. <laughs> right? So what is the message that Paul is communicating to us? He's communicating to us suffering, why? Because there is no better way for us to get off track than for us to become consumed with our life. And then when we, get, when we become consumed with our life, we get sidetracked when our life doesn't go the way we want it. But he's telling us in 2 Timothy, it's not gonna go the way we want it all the time. Don't get me wrong, the Lord blesses us, he takes care of us, he speaks in his word that he's going to do that, but you are gonna go through seasons where you question some things, and I promise you, you'll go through seasons where you'll question everything. But we stay fast to the mission because it's critical. The second person that we see in 2 Timothy is the athlete. Turn to your neighbor and say, the athlete. Ask ask your neighbor, are you an athlete? And don't judge them after you ask them that. I saw some of y'all like, hmm, I know you said yes, but. I know you went by Whataburger on the way here tonight, so don't try to hype it up. The athlete, 2 Timothy 3, 5. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. What is the most vital thing for an athlete to have done if he's going to win? Boom! Who said it? Train, right? To train. Now the key to training that we have to understand. Well, the the the, the key to training is you got to train like you're in competition, right? You got to train like there's something at stake. And, and man, this doesn't become more like apparent to me. So like some we got some workout junkies in here, and uh, and I'm slaving tirelessly to become one of them. It's just it hasn't captivated my life quite like it has some of the others, Ryan Teague. So, but we, so we, but the thing is, here's what I've noticed about training, right? And and you could apply this to your own personal life. You know when I train the hardest is when someone's watching me. But, But when I'm by myself in my garage, right, and I'm supposed to do four sets of eight, come like the third set or the fourth set of two on the second one I'm like, you know, we don't really have to keep going tonight. You know, you did really good for three sets. This fourth one is just a bonus, right? So Right so I just I tell like I'm and then I tell myself like no if so and so was here they'd be yelling at me right like I'm not going to say what they'd be yelling but they would be yelling at me so I, you know so we push through but what happens is we have to train just like we're getting ready for the competition so we're not training for the sake of training we're training for the sake of competing right and in our life, in our relationship with the Lord, in our mission, in the the race that the Lord has set before us, we train for the sake of competing, not training for the sake of training, because if you're only training for the sake of training, you have no reason to be better than you are today. But if you're training to compete, if you're training for a mission, if you're training for a purpose, if you got somewhere you're trying to be, then you're training to where you can get there. You're not training so you can just get through today. And many of us wake up every day with the mentality that I'm just gonna get through today, I'm not gonna worry about tomorrow. And I'm not talking about contentment. I'm not talking about more things. I'm talking about mission. I'm talking about purpose, man. When you walk out the door, are you walking out the door with the intent of serving yourself? Are you walking out the door with the intent of accomplishing what you need to accomplish for you so that you can look past you and accomplish what you need to accomplish for someone else? Because that is what holds the gospel, man. Like we have to be ready to impact other people's lives, not be so caught up on us. So we train to run our race and finish Acts 20, 23 through 24. He says, only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me, right? So he's talking about sufferings again. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace, which is only afforded to us through Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 9, 23 through 25 says, do I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I might share? Share in its blessings. Do you know that in the race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize because everyone who competes in the games goes into its strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. And I man, we have to grab a hold of, we have to understand that the Lord has a mission for us, He has a race for us to run, He has something for us to do far beyond just ourselves. And if we can think eternally for a second, we can grasp the truth that we have something to do every day, more than just wake up and live life for me. The next one is the farmer, Second Timothy 3:6. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. What is the most important thing for the farmer to have done for his harvest? Anybody? Who said it? Plant the seeds. Plant the seeds. What's the next most important thing you gotta do? Water the seeds. And then you can do both of those things, but how many guys know if you don't ever go looking for it, you don't know if you gotta harvest or not. The farmer plants the seeds, he waters the seeds, he gathers the harvest. So the farmer is working tirelessly to gather the harvest. So here's what I want you to understand tonight. We are to be soldiers, athletes, and farmers in how we are disciplined in our life, not just, because here's what happens. When we start quoting the scripture, when we start talking about it, our default mechanism goes to, um, Behavior modification and disciplining ourselves to stay away from sin. How many guys like some of your mentality went straight there, right? Like, that, well, I need to do these things so I don't make these mistakes. And what I'm trying to help you understand is, we need to be disciplining ourselves not so that we don't make make mistakes. We need to be disciplining ourselves so that we start making progress. Because some of us have become so stalemated, trying to stay away from mistakes that we've made zero progress in our spiritual walk with the Lord and what he's trying to accomplish in and through us. Well, I just gotta beat this pornography problem today. I just gotta beat this alcohol problem today. I just gotta beat this whatever problem today. And you become so focused on the issue that you haven't focused on the person that can rescue you from the issue. He says, set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are below. In other words, we should be thinking so much about Christ, we have no time to think about the things that are around us. We don't become so focused on the things that are down here that we make time to think about the Lord. We become so focused on the Lord that we have no times to focus on the things that are around us. And if you didn't hear that real talks here, you can get that, I'm not re-preaching that. it's not just in protecting ourselves against sin, but in completing the mission, the race and the harvest. You see, you have to understand that there is a war to fight for those that you love. There is a race to run for those that you care for. And there is a harvest for you to gather of the souls of the people that are close to you. How many people right now you can think of people that you love, that you are close to, and that you desperately have feelings for that are going to hell right now if they die? And my question to you, not in an insulting way, is what are you going to do about that? Has the reality of an eternity in hell truly set into our minds and our hearts? Or have we become so religiosity-minded that we continue to framework everything around the fact that we're going, we don't have to worry about the consequence for the people around us? Because man, I challenge you today that if heaven is real to you, hell has to be just as real so that we have a passionate desire to take the truth of God to those people that are far from him. And there has to be something that burns inside of us to say, man, we're not gonna lose anybody in this fight. Every person that I love, I'm gonna talk to every single one of them. I may not win them today, right? And so what I want you to understand is just like the farmer, right? I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna plant some seed. I'm gonna talk to them. I'm gonna herald the gospel. And and man, I love the way Matt Chandler puts it in the explicit gospel because he talks about how we introduce the gospel to people. And some of you guys just went through this class with us talking about heralding the gospel because some of us feel so threatened that we have to All the answers when we introduce the gospel to someone. Like, I got to have a a three point sermon. I need to bring my iPad so I can bring up the right scriptures, right? Let's walk through the Romans Road. And that's not what we're talking about at all. How many guys have ever eaten at a good restaurant before? Raise your hand. Oh, I knew I'd get reactions on that one. Praise God. Come on, somebody, right? How many guys told someone else about that restaurant, right? Why? Because it was good. So why do we feel so threatened to talk to people about something that's good? When I go talk to people about Jesus, I'm not trying to convince them how desperately they need him. I'm just talking about something that's been really, really good to me. I'm just talking about someone that's been really, really good to me like someone that has provided when I didn't know where the provision was coming from, like someone that has come through when I didn't know when he was gonna come through, and then in moments and times in my life where he hasn't showed up the way I wanted him to show up, he still showed up in a way to sustain me through the times that he didn't do what I wanted him to do, he did what I needed him to do, and he continues to be good regardless of how I feel. And so when I go to people and I'm talking to them about the gospel, I'm not trying to convince them, you're gonna go to hell without him. We might have that conversation one day, but. That's not my opening statement, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, hey, how are you? What's your name? Do you know the Lord you're gonna burn? You know, like that's not, that's not my angle, right? When I'm talking to people at the gospel, whenever, whenever I'm talking to people at the gospel and they're like, man, something's different about you or whatever, it's like, or I might just walk into them and say, hey man, I just wanna let you know, man, that you seem like something may be missing from you. Something may be empty in your life. Like you, something might not be what you want it to be. And for me, there is no better thing to fill that void than Jesus. He's been good to me, he's been great to me, like he's taken care of me, he's provided for me, but let me tell you about what he's done for me in an eternal concept. And I just tell them about how he paid a price for me I could never pay for myself, and how the gospel is alive to them. And I herald the gospel, I don't preach it, I don't shame them for where they are, I invite them to where I am. And we look for an opportunity for the harvest. So what are we waiting for? Second Timothy four five, as for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Second Timothy four five. I want all of you to look at me for a second. Nowhere in there did he say, if you feel like it, if it's convenient for you, like make sure you have your stuff together first. He said, as for you, so I'm gonna pass that on to you. As for you, Always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. What is he calling you to? Because here's the beauty, right? Going back to 2 Timothy 4, 5, endure suffering. That's what he told the soldier to do. Do the work of an evangelist, endure suffering, that's your battle, that's what the soldier does. Do the work of an evangelist, that's your race. That's what the athlete runs. Fulfill your ministry, that's where you reap the harvest. That's what the farmer does. So what I wanna help you guys understand today from 2 Timothy three all the way to 2 Timothy four is that we see a complete picture how God is trying to tell us we have work to do, ladies and gentlemen, in a world that so desperately needs us to do this work. We have something to tell people. You literally carry the message of hope that can transform someone's eternity in your heart and in your mind. What are we doing with that? Are we allowing the Lord to challenge us? Are we allowing ourselves to be become so open to sharing the gospel that we don't become fixated on the world that's around us. And listen, I'm guilty, man. Like I'm guilty on, on, on looking down. I'm, I'm guilty on being so fixed on today that I don't pay attention to tomorrow. I'm guilty on being so fixed on what I have to do that I don't see the people around me and I don't get to do what I'm supposed to do. And that's reach and touch people. Pastor's is the best at it I've ever seen in my entire life because we can be running late to somewhere. We can be getting gas on the way. Like we're, we're running 10 minutes late for wherever and you sees someone that like is like, I don't even know because it's not even like a poor person. I know he's probably turning red right now, but it's not even like, it's not always like someone that's asking for money. Like sometimes it's a CEO driving a Mercedes and the Lord speaks to his heart and he stops everything that he's doing. And he's just like, I just want to let you know the Lord loves you or whatever. And like the CEO and his whole company gets saved. No, I'm just kidding. Like that, I don't know if that's ever happened, but it's just like crazy things happen. Why? why? And that's why I honor our pastor so much because he's constantly looking for someone that needs hope. Realize what I said, not constantly looking for someone that needs help because there are people that don't need help that still need hope. He's constantly looking for people that need hope. Where is our hope found? In Christ. man. So I wanna challenge you today, before you leave the building, there's Easter invite cards in both lobbies. I wanna challenge you, go to war tomorrow for the souls of the people that you love. Put an Easter invite card in every hand that you can. Talk to people, man, tell them, hey, you you know, like, come like come with me to Easter, be my special guest, whatever. Like, don't just text them, like, man, put it in their hands, hand them the invite, be my special guest at Easter, right? So go to war for them, run the race that is required, which means it's gonna take some stamina out of you to keep checking on them and to look, look into how they're doing. And then, man, look for the harvest like the farmer. Whenever we come in here, we're praying on that Sunday morning for Easter, if you get them here, and then all of a sudden, pastor says, everyone bow your head and close your eyes. Man, like, we're telling you, right now peek like one eye open you know what I'm saying like like look at that person that's next to you look for them to raise their hand and I promise you, man, there is no better feeling in the world than to watch the person that you personally put an invite card in their hand, and then you text them, and then you called them, right? You, you were like the farmer. You planted the seed, but then you came back and watered it because you you called them, and you text them, and you sent them an email, and a Facebook message, and a Snapchat, and whatever else was left, like in social media. Like you went, you went the whole nine to make sure, so you watered it, you nurtured it, and then whenever they show up on Sunday morning, man, just like that farmer, keep one eye open looking for the harvest. And when they raise that hand and they declare that they're going to put their faith in Jesus Christ, man, you mark that in your book and you know, I promise you, you'll never feel that way again until the next time you get to be instrumental in the Lord bringing someone to himself. Man, do it because I promise you, you won't regret it. So before you leave today, man, grab some. As a matter of fact, I'm just going to Step out on a limb. I don't even know where anyone's at because I can't really see. You all look like a collage of faces right now because these lights. But if uh, if the ushers can just go out there real quick, grab a whole bunch of them, they're gonna start handing them to you as you walk out the door. And man, grab some of those and listen, use them. Gather the harvest. The Lord is doing something amazing in this house. I don't know about you, I grew up in church a long time and I didn't really wanna invite my friends a lot. Cause you just didn't know what was gonna pop off in a Pentecostal church in the late nineties. You know what I'm saying? Like it was just, you know what I'm saying? Like trying to dodge flags. You got the dancers over there. Like, so like, some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Anyway, so, but my whole point is how many of you guys know this might be a kind of a crazy church service, but it's kind of crazy in a good way, right? Man, there ain't no place I'd rather take my friends and my family to introduce them to Jesus then right here at Transformation Church. So you guys join me in that. Let's go get our harvest. Go and stand to your feet. And I just wanna pray over you guys that we would, man, just allow the Holy Spirit to guide us this week um, and and through the next week and really every every day. But man, uh, Easter is a Super Bowl for us. We put a lot of work into it, um, but at Transformation Church, we don't do events. We We don't focus on events, we focus on people. And so it's a big event, but our only desire is that we can reach people with it. And so, man, I just wanna pray for us. So just lift your hands across this place. I just wanna pray a special anointing over the next 10 days that the Lord would just place on your life, on my life, on our lives as we get ready to go and make an attempt to gather the harvest. And listen to me, folks, one thing you have to realize that John six forty four matters, that the only way anyone comes to the Lord is that the Holy Spirit draws them. So them getting saved is up to God, but them getting here can be up to you. Do the work, all right? Father, we just pray over every single one of us tonight, God, each, each one of us, Lord, God, we thank you for saving us. We thank you for grace. We thank you for mercy. God, we we thank you that you sustain us. We thank you that you're good. God, we thank you that you're love. We thank you that you're hope. We thank you that our eternity is found in you because you're so good to us. So God, I just pray over every single person that's in this house, God, that you would just anoint them, Father, that you would give them a fresh breath of the Holy Spirit. I pray that eternity becomes very, very real to us. God, as heaven has become real to us, God, I pray that the consequences of hell becomes real to us on behalf of those that we love so much, but maybe we've held back, maybe we've bit our tongue, maybe we haven't spoken the gospel, maybe we haven't heralded the gospel because we're afraid of what they're gonna say and what they're gonna do. God, I pray that you just, the Holy Spirit, that you empower and you strengthen and you bolden every single person, God, that we could go into our worlds, into our workplaces, into our communities, and we could carry this hope that is only found in Jesus, Jesus Christ, that when he laid his body on the cross, when his hands had nails in them, when his feet and his head had a crown of thorns on it, God, he was thinking of us. So God, I just continue to pray that that picture is burned into our minds. God, so that we can see those that we love so much come to put their faith in you that when Jesus died on the cross, he took the penalty, he took the payment for our sins, for our lives. Give us an eternity with you, God. We celebrate that today. So God, I pray that as much as we, as much as we experience joy through the gospel, God, that you prick our hearts to feel pain on behalf of those that don't know you yet so that we can go into a world, God. We can endure the suffering, we can endure the battle like the soldier, God. We can run the race like the athlete, God. But at the end, we can reap the harvest like the farmer. We thank you for it, God. In Jesus' name, amen.